Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all handpicked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. You know, the 49ers had a rough night on Christmas. I did too because I thought the 49ers would beat the crap out of the Baltimore Ravens last that night, and I found out otherwise. Earlier that day, we would have been even more certain of the outcome of the game, as we were undoubtedly when we made our picks for that weekend. The Chiefs hosting the Raiders. Easy game for Kansas City. Go in there and win. They came out trying to look like the team they'd been in past years with some of the trick plays that they do, although doing them in your own, in your own uh, end of the field, not, not a great idea. Yeah. And next thing you know, the Raiders took it to them. I mean, that was the low point for the Chiefs. Definitely. And they had other losses that were ugly and just were not very Chiefs-like, but that was the one, especially that close to the end of the season. They got a lot of people saying, hey, something's wrong with this team. No, agreed. Like, that was – the other games were like, oh – the Chiefs could have won that, and they kind of blew it, right? It was It was like, ah, uh, like you always say, the Chiefs played with their food, right? This was a game where they didn't even show up for dinner on that day, right? I, I, you know, I, I think you heard me <laughs> later that weekend or whatever, just like I couldn't get over it. That was a disaster that day. That was like turn on the film and go, oh, my gosh, not only did the Chiefs lose, they were outplayed, physical. nothing was good. Mahomes was bad. The pass protection was bad. They couldn't run. You know, the defense obviously did a pretty good job. We know that. But it was nothing like it was a, you know, a great Raiders offense or anything. But, yes, certainly a point where after that game, you were a little relegated to, like, this, this isn't going to be their year, right? Part of the reason why I haven't picked them the last two weeks is because teams that go to the Super Bowl don't look like one of the worst teams in football the second or third last week of the season and lose to teams like that. That's where this whole thing is amazing and shocking, but that was certainly the low point, Mike, no doubt about it. And, you know, it's funny. I'm looking at the transcript 
of when I talked to Mahomes the week before that game. And he talked about the whole idea of playing on Christmas, and I'm yeah. having a hard time finding it. Oh, but yeah. it was implicit. He wasn't in love it. We're going to win. Love we'll it. celebrate. Yeah. Well, right, but he was he was torn by it, but he was like, you know, but we'll go play the game and then we'll celebrate after. Yeah, right. And I know he meant right. celebrate Christmas, but it was just kind of a given. We're going to check that box. We're yep. going to win that game, right. and then we're going to go have our Christmas holiday. And uh, the, the Raiders played the role of silver and black Grinches on Christmas, and they came in and stole it from the Chiefs. And they got it together in a week. Here's Andy Reid yesterday talking about how that moment, losing at home on Christmas Day, with just two regular season games left after that, affected his team. And I think, Adam, that was a good wake-up call for us. Um, you know, they came out with great emotion. Antonio had them ready to go. and um, and But the, that emotion was the thing that jumped out at you that they played with. And um, I, I think it, it, it gave our guys, a, you know, a nice little, uh, you know, for a better term, a wake-up call. Um, that, that, listen, we need to, we need to step things up here. Things aren't just going to, you know, fall in our lap. And so, um, we're, we're taking everybody's best shot and here's a team that went through some adversity and, and they stepped up and, uh, were able to present themselves like they did. So, um, you know, that, that, uh, uh, we were able to learn from it. And, and move on. I, I felt all along, though we, you know, we had the ability to do that. Um, we we just, like I said, we we needed uh, um, just a little kick in the tail there. And it worked because the following week they had the Bengals come to town. Even without Joe Burrow, the Bengals were still alive for the postseason. Jake Browning had been playing well. The Chiefs won that game twenty five seventeen and kind of reestablished themselves, clinched their playoff spot. The following week, they were able to rest some starters and kind of regather themselves for the sub-zero home game against the Dolphins, and then it was on the road twice. And that's when, by then, they had slipped back into the team that we were used to. That, that's the, the wager I made when I picked them to win in Buffalo and then picked them to win in Baltimore, that this is Patrick Mahomes, and we know he's different when the season is on the line. And this is something that we have to adjust and adapt our brains to, Chris, that this is a guy who is still only 28 years old, has experienced a lot of stuff in the postseason, has played better in the postseason statistically than he has in the regular season, and he brings that to the table with him to every game he plays. And you throw in the fact that he's chasing Tom Brady for seven Super Bowls. It just makes it very hard to pick against him, and then we, we see what he does. Yeah. We see what he does. If yeah. he's healthy, we were talking about this yesterday. Yeah. If he, if he didn't have a toe that needed to be operated on literally three days after day, Super right. Bowl 55, yeah. right. they, they, they would have won that game too. And so he's healthy. I mean, I don't want to tip my hand here, but – you already good did. Good God. <laughs> I know. We, we, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I already you. did. I already did before the season. Yeah. I picked Chiefs 49ers, Chiefs to win. Yeah. How can I go back on that now? I know. Good I picked, splash, I'm I pick picked Chiefs, Chiefs to win 49ers and I picked the 49ers to win. I picked the Chiefs. This is six years in a row. You can't go wrong picking the Chiefs. <laughs> there you go. I, you know, you just, you can't. It's unreal. I think one year I picked Rams Browns. And the year the Rams went to the Super Bowl, I picked Rams Browns. Every other year, you just pick the Chiefs. The guy's special. They're special. Like you're saying, there's an aura, right? 
I, I'm a, you know, I'm in 49er. Shanahan's my buddy. I'm scared to death. Yeah. How could you not be? I mean, it's 15. It's magic man, right? Like we talked about teams that go to the Super Bowl, they don't play like that on the second or third to last game of the year. You know, teams that go to the Super Bowl don't lose four out of six games in November into December, right? That's where it's amazing. It's, it's their greatness. You know, it's just, this doesn't happen that much and it's not easy you know, like Andy said, and and I know you know this, but hey, they've been the hunted, really, for it's it's five years now. Ever since Brady left the Patriots, they have become the team that everybody goes, oh, whoa, Mahomes, Kelsey, Chiefs, oh, there, right there. Hey, family, we played the Chiefs, you know, week nine. You guys want to come in for the game that week? You want me to fly in? Blah blah. They that's they get everybody's best shot every week. And, of course, they play to the Super Bowl every year, and they have the shortest offseason. So I think maybe some of that, you know, all of that with some new parts and all of that kind of a, a, accumulated into lesser than football in the Chiefs' way there. But uh, that's also where they're remarkable. But, but I want to ask you this, like in all seriousness, of all the things we're saying, right, do you ever remember a team that's kind of done it like this, right? Like, there's one team that comes to my mind where I go, I can kind of remember, huh, they weren't that great all year, and then they got in the playoffs, and they got hot, and they went to the Super Bowl. And they were a dynasty team themselves. And I'll, I'll throw it out there, the 88-49ers. Remember that? They were 10-6. and six, Oh, yeah. Right? I remember it well. Oh, well, sorry. Of course. I, I remember it well. The Vikings... The Vikings were 11-5 and five that year, but they were the wild card, and they had to go to play in San Francisco. And the year before, the Vikings had gone there and killed them, which I don't think served the Vikings well the following year right. because the 49ers destroyed them in that game, won the next game, won the Super Bowl. Right. That's what I that, – that's that – like, that, that team barely got in the playoffs, that 10-6 and six 49ers team. Then all of a sudden, they were like, wait, we know how to win Super Bowls. Let's get it going, Joe and Jerry, and here we go. And then they just started believing like this team. And then all of a sudden they just started, they, you know, kicked the shit out of the Vikings in the division round, went to Chicago like the Chiefs did, beat a great defensive team in a cold weather game. They kicked the shit out of the Bears. And then they saw Boomer size in the Bengals and beat them in the Super Bowl. But that, that that's where, is there any other team you can remember through your history you know, that, that jumps to your mind like that, where they were kind of like, eh, all year, eh, and then could well, turn it on and do that, like, to this capacity? That Cowboys team, we've talked about this a couple of times, that won their third Super Bowl the 95 team. in four years. Yeah. Barry Switzer is right. head coach. They got the do- – like, they were just done. They were cooked. They just wanted to get this thing over with. And then they find out, oh, wait a minute, the 49ers lost to the Falcons. All we got to do is beat the Cardinals, and we're the one seed, and that changed everything for them. So kind of like the light went on for them late at a time when they thought it was over. Right. That's the only thing that's comparable to it in my mind. I'm looking – I wonder if one of these – one of those Steelers teams, like, did they – when they won four in, in six years, did they have a rough a rough patch – I don't. I don't. Think I don't so. remember either. Tough, uh, yeah, I, I AFC know. Championship games against the Oilers, but right. they, they, and the, and the last two Super Bowls weren't. You know, they didn't overpower. Not that they ever really blew anyone out in the Super Bowl, but the last two easily could have gone either way. Right. Cowboys in thirteen and Rams in fourteen. Right. I, I'm just trying to think of of great teams in the past. Where yeah. We're conditioned to believe they're great. Surely one of these Patriots teams that won a Super Bowl got it together. When kind we didn't late. expect it, they weren't wire to wire great every year. No. One of those years 
one, if we sit and think about it long enough, one of those years, it's kind of like, yeah, we didn't see it coming, them pulling it together. Hell, the first year they won it again. That would be the year I would say it. They won it. They that were would five be the and year. five. Right, right. That would be the year. The other years, I think they did some of that, but they didn't get to the Super Bowl, right? Like 2006, kind of like, whoa, hey, we're in the AFC Championship game. It's against Peyton Manning. Whoa, we're up 21 to six at halftime. Like nobody kind of thought that. And we were like, man. You know, the Patriots weren't, like, dominant like this all year. They're just going to march into the Super Bowl and do that? You know, I thought, like, you know, that that was a year they were kind of like that but just didn't get to the Super Bowl. But that year, though, yeah. Matt Casey made a point. Here's right. a good one. Right. The Colts that same year started 9-0, and but then oh, fell off. they started right. to fall apart. That's Bob good, Sanders right. wasn't there, right? And they get to the playoffs, and Bob Sanders comes back. Remember, they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the run. They were horrible That's on right. defense. Yep. Yeah. And then Bob Sanders comes back, and everything changes. Good call, and, Matt Casey. And, and the Patriots did him a hell of a favor. Well, Marlon McCree did him a hell of a favor when he had the interception for the Chargers that would have ended the divisional round game, and he fumbled it, and the Patriots recovered and won the game because the Colts didn't match up well with the Chargers. And the Chargers very well may have beaten them. In San Diego at the right, time. Right. Because the Chargers were the one seed last that year at like fourteen and two. And Marty Schottenheimer got fired. Yeah. After crazy. That. That's incredible. Crazy. Fourteen and two. Almost win in the divisional round and set up a win at home and go to the Super Bowl and Marty Schottenheimer got fired. Yeah, that, that was. You're right. That was crazy. That was the Kason interception. The game's over. The Chargers are gonna win. He intercepts Brady. Marlon McCree. Oh, Marlon McCree. That's right. Marlon Marlon McCree. He fumbles, and the Patriots get it back, and it gives them a second gasp, and they, of course, take advantage of it and win the football game there. But, yeah, you're a good call there, Matt Casey, with the the 06 Colts, right? There's other teams I know that got hot at the end of the year that came out of nowhere, but I'm talking about teams that were great. Right. 05 Steelers, yeah. But they came out of nowhere. Right, right, right. But but they were like, we weren't expecting them to be Chiefs dynasty, Manning and the Colts. You know, know, hey, the Packers of 2010, they made a run at the end of the year and got hot like that too. But, again, I think I'm more in the line of talking about, like, you know, teams that we had high expectations for kind of crap the bed late. Super Bowl champion. And then, exactly. That's just crazy. Right, right, right. You got it. Yeah. Here's and, – and, and again, a lot of this comes from the fact that Patrick Mahomes is hyper-aware of his legacy and what he needs to do. And Tom Brady has done him a favor in this regard by setting the bar all the way to seven. Like, if it was still four, Br- Brady had to chase the bar at four with Terry Bradshaw and Joe Montana. Right. Now it's at seven – like, you can't screw around and waste any of your yeah. early years of your career. If you're ever going to catch this guy, you got to go out there and you got to win and you got to win and you got to win. Here's Andy Reid talking yesterday about the legacy of Patrick Mahomes. We see it every day. You're right. Uh, we don't take that for granted. Um, we we re- respect the job that he does and we appreciate it. And we know we're seeing something special. Um, and he's still young in this business. So, uh, that's a great thing for the Chiefs. It's a great thing for the city. Um, and, and you know, it's somebody that you can build around. And, and Brett Veach does a great job with that, of making sure that other positions are are relative to that. So um, it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a positive thing that we're very aware of, I guess, is the best way I could say it. 
and it it's it's hard to be fully aware of it. It's hard to not take it for granted. We were looking at the clips yesterday, the highlights, the things that Patrick Mahomes does routinely. That if anybody else did it, we would lose our minds. And with Mahomes, we just kind of say, eh, eh, okay, it's it's just Mahomes. He's Mahomes being Mahomes. We need to appreciate the fact that what he does, we've never seen before on a consistent basis at this level, and it's it's just it's uncanny. And we're going to keep seeing it. If you don't like it, like I said yesterday, if you don't like it, you better go find something else to watch on Sundays between September and February for the next 10 years or so. Because he's 28 and he's only getting better, Chris. Yeah, it's crazy. This is, you know, this is, is, he's already in Goatville. He's already up there with Brady and Manning and Brett Favre and Dan Marino and John Elway, right? And doing it in a way that we've really never seen anybody quite do it this way, right? You know, he plays a style of game where when we grew up, right, that guy didn't win the Super Bowl. Oh, he's a great quarterback, Dan Marino, John Elway. They can carry the team. They make all these yards, blah, blah, blah. But the team's not good enough around them, and they can't get to the Super Bowl. That's not the case here. You know, it's rare that a team starts a dynasty with just a young quarterback and really goes, hey, it's all about you right from the get-go. No other superstar, Super Bowl, I'm bringing you to the the promised land quarterback really was thrust into that position quite the way Mahomes was. Shotgun, throw the ball every play. We're going to come up with these plays that nobody else has done. We're going to ride you. You're only 21 and a half, but you're the guy, right? Bradshaw got defense, run the ball. Brady got defense, run the ball. Do that, kind of grow into the the player you are, right? This is This is more... Marino-ish and little like, whoa, this is such a special talent. Let's make everything around him, you know, make it all about him and, and really encompass him the right way. And he, of course, has taken him to the promised land. And what's different this year is this is a year where it's a little bit more Patriot-like. It's been a little bit more team. It's defense. It's we're going to run the ball. And then like Patriots and Brady, hey, now we need you, Brady, to be clutch in a big moment. Do it for us, and then he can do it that that like that as well. But does it in a different way, running around like a chicken with his head cut off, throwing sidearm lasers. It's just it's can't miss TV, and it's uh, that's why I keep telling everybody just enjoy it. Like you said, this is amazing what we're watching. I know it's annoying to a lot of people that they're in the Super Bowl all, every year, but they're great. And he's unlike anything we've ever seen in the sport. And he is already one of the greatest things we've ever seen in the sport. There is no questioning that. Success creates envy, jealousy, resentment, especially if you're a fan of a team that keeps ending up on the wrong side of the team that's highly successful. But the thing about Patrick Mahomes, there is nothing about him that is unlikable. There is nothing about him that – that, and I, I've praised him time and again – He's never changed. No. He's still the same kid that came out of Lubbock, Texas, after finishing up at Texas Tech, and nobody really knew what to make of him. And Andy Reid knew, Sean Payton knew, a couple of others knew, and they kept their mouths shut. If they hadn't kept their mouths shut, we all would have been saying, this guy needs to be the first overall pick in the draft in 2017, and he would have gone to the Browns instead of Miles Garrett if the Browns had known what this guy was going to be. Even as great as Miles Garrett has been, he would have been the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns if the if the Browns had felt the way Andy Reid and Sean Payton and a few others felt about Patrick Mahomes. It's just amazing. And it's amazing it's only been seven years. Seven, year, it's, seven years like that. Seven years ago 
We didn't know what Patrick Mahomes could do. We didn't know much about yeah, – he, he was in that bucket with everybody else. We don't know what right. they're going to do. There were a lot of 2017 quarterbacks. We didn't know what they were going to do. Deshaun Kaiser, I thought he was going to be pretty good. Nope. So – and, and it's just what we've seen in that period of time. It's unprecedented, and it's only going to get better for the Chiefs. It will be an upset at this point if they don't continue to hover around the Super Bowl – continue to play in the AFC championship and continue to have those opportunities year after year after year for Patrick Mahomes to catch and maybe pass Tom Brady at seven. Like you can, it's easy to say, oh, he'll never catch him. I, it's also easy to say, he's not only going to catch him. He's going to pass him. It, it could go any way. It can go any way. It definitely could. I mean, yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy. We know that it would have gone a long way. If he, in that game where you talked about his toe not being hurt, if he could have won that and Brady could have not won that, and then we'd be sitting here today going, ooh, baby, this is going to get close here. This young in his career, he's got a chance to win his, you know, fourth it would be in this one. But, yeah, he's got some work to do. But I don't put it past him. Like you said, there's a drive there that is, it's, it's tangible. Anybody that's been around him talks about it. You bring it up, offseason, there's receivers going to Texas. He's part of the scouting, the draft process. He is all in. He's got a lot of the qualities like Brady. Like, if you're going to beat me, you're going to have to dedicate your life to it. And that's where Mahomes is right now. And that's where it's special. And then what I think is even more special, right, is like, come on. They're set up. This is, they're, they're the early stages of part two of their dynasty here. They won the Super Bowl last year as the youngest team in football. They don't really have a marquee wide receiver. This year, this offseason, I guarantee this is the offseason they start to go, wait, we got things set up on the defense here finally. Let's go back to, let's put talent around to, at Mahomes again at receiver and watch the F out, everybody. So that's where I look at it and go, like, stop rooting against the Chiefs or not wanting to see them because, like you said, they are going to be here for a while, front and center, and they're built to last as a team, and then, of course, the quarterback can lead that team to the promised land over and over. Um, I think it's crazy to think that they would bring Tyreek Hill back. I don't want to start down that path. I think they'd rather go with someone younger who's going to cycle yeah, through right. five, six, seven, eight years. Right. Tyree Kill's getting close to the end, but they will do whatever they have to do, I think, this year to address that position because if they just had that position taken care of, they'd be 10-point favorites in this Super Bowl. They'd have been favorite. They'd, they'd have been at home for their playoff games. They wouldn't have had to go to Buffalo. They wouldn't right. have had to go to Baltimore. But, you know, that's where this year is going to be special for them. When Patrick Mahomes is – you know, retired and he has grandkids who really aren't impressed by anything he has to say <laughs> as they, you know, spend his money. But when he's telling them the story of his career, this year's going to stand out because this was the first year that it was hard. Yeah. Right. This was the first year that they had, that they, that they, that nobody believed in them. They didn't have to make up narratives. They didn't have to lie. They didn't have to, they didn't have to lie to themselves that no one believed in us. No one believed in them. They were underdogs at Buffalo. Underdogs. Four and a, it was the, the first time Patrick Mahomes had been a four-and-a-half-point underdog 
since week two of the 2018 season when nobody knew what he could do, and they went to Pittsburgh, and he threw six touchdown passes and five incompletions against the Steelers and put 42 points on the Steelers. And I remember that day vividly oh, because that too. was the day right. that we were all on notice that football has changed. Yes. And here we go. Fast forward five years. He's a four-and-a-half-point underdog. So I think that that's one of the things that has fueled them and focused them. They needed that laser focus, Chris. They were sloppy, and that they got focused the moment that they were underdogs. Yeah, they did. It's it's remarkable. It is. It just it doesn't happen in football. That that that's the the unbelievable part of the whole thing. That that you can play B minus football all year long and then just go, oh yeah, well we got to go A plus football now to go to the Super Bowl. No problem. We'll do it. Got it. Got it. Yeah. I mean that it's just it's so rare and it just speaks to their greatness. And uh, I, I love it. I really do. You know, I, I love watching it. I love this new angle they're playing from as far as kind of the underdog. And I'm sure they're going to be chippy and relish the fact that right now they're sitting there at, what, a two-point underdog? And that's already filtering around their locker room with, like, I can't believe this is what people think is going to happen. They're, they're going to use that fuel. They're, they're enjoying this, this wave of proving everybody wrong. Yeah, they had to be getting a little nervous yesterday when the line moved to minus one, San Francisco. <laughs> right. It was like, oh, no, 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 we don't want to be favored. And then, and it starts going the other way again. And, yeah, nobody believes in us. We're underdogs, and that plays right into their hands. Um, one thing that doesn't play into their hands, Charles Amenahu hmm. left Sunday's game with a knee injury, and he had indicated that he's fine, he's good to go. He's not. He's got a torn ACL. He won't be playing in the Super Bowl, and obviously the, the – there's never a good time to tear your ACL. The later in the year you do it, the harder it is to get yourself ready for the next season. So bad news for him, bad news for the Chiefs. They'll have to figure out a way to make it happen without him. And, uh, and they did when he left the game, and they will. They'll be ready to go when the Super Bowl rolls around. Let's take a break. When we return, Jared Goff's future in Detroit. He made his wishes clear when he was cleaning out his locker yesterday in Detroit. More PFT Live right after this. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics. This summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. 
the last you know three weeks or however long you know it's really been longer than that but you know since the the playoffs started and um you know we were able to win that game at home and 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 to see the fans response um not only for me but for our whole team has been so special and um it's something i'll never forget obviously the the season didn't end how we had hoped and last night was disappointing but um yeah, in, in particular, those two home games in, in the playoffs were um, as special and uh, electric of an environment as you can imagine. And, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. In uh, you know, regards to my future, it's not up to me. Um, I love this place, and um, uh, we'll see what happens as, as time goes on here. But, yeah, I love this place and um, love Dan, love all the coaches, love all my teammates, and um, – uh, it's it's not out of my hands in some ways, you know. It's it's up to my representatives and obviously the people upstairs. Now, it is up to him at some level. It is, now, th- there's different layers to this conversation. Whether or not the Lions want him to continue to be on the team is not up to him. They clearly want him to be on the team. That's resolved. Right. The question is, how much are they willing to pay him? Yeah. What they're willing to offer is not up to him. What he's willing to accept is up to him. So I don't accept, and I I wholeheartedly reject, this idea that he's just a bystander in his own life. You're not. It is up to you. You're either going to say yes or you're going to say no to whatever their best offer is. Or or they're going to tell you, we'll wait. We'll gladly pay you $21.7 million in the last year of the contract that you signed that we honored, that the Rams had to give up a first-round pick to get us to honor. We, this, is, this is the contract you negotiated. We'll wait until next year. We want to give it one more year and see what happens. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? Retire? I guess he could retire, but it's still up to him. There are things that are up to him. He is not helpless in this. He is not trapped in this. He has major say. And at the end of the day, it's going to come down to what we were talking about yesterday, Chris, Where does he land between the Jimmy Garoppolo, middle-of-the-pack veteran quarterback, $25 million a year, and top-of-the-market, $55 million? Where does he land? How is it structured? What are they willing to do for a guy who has strengths, but he has weaknesses? Right. When it's time to go off schedule, he's not the guy. When it's time to run the play that's called, he's the guy. And next year, it may be a different guy calling the plays. Ben Johnson may be gone. So, I just... Yeah, they gotta they gotta balance it's not that. An easy, How much it's not is Ben an easy Johnson? Situation. Right, but he's not he's not helpless in all this. No, he's got a lot more control and power over it than he's letting on. I, I and if he doesn't realize it, shame on him. Yeah, I, I think he does. I think he's probably just being humble, right? I think he's got about as much power as any Detroit Lions quarterback has had yeah, that I can remember in recent history. Just you know, again, the resurgence of the football team. The the city rallied around the Lions. The city specifically rallied around Jared Goff. I mean, I've been in the New England Stadium during Brady's already won three Super Bowls. We've been to Kansas City and Mahomes has won two Super. They don't they don't chant the quarterback's name before the game like out loud consistently during warmups during the start of the game. I mean, he's loved in that city right now. So that's where he's got great power. But yeah, they got to find the balance of, you know, again, what is the right 
price or what's the right paycheck for 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 Jared Goff. Yeah, they beat the Rams barely. You know, yeah, they beat the Bucks kind of barely, right? And then we know last week it didn't work out well, and it was up twenty-four to seven. And like you said, there's no Ben Johnson most likely next year. What's he going to look like without one of the best offensive minds in football? I think those are things that are all fair to question. I don't think there's any doubt, and I think they will try to get something done, right, just to squash. But I don't think like squash the conversation about, oh, it's his last year, and so they don't have to hear all that type of stuff. But, yeah, I would imagine they got to find a middle ground here, and he's got to be, like you're saying, willing to accept it. Because, you know, at the end of the day, right, I know he went to the NFC Championship game, right? But he not like Stafford's down ten points to the Niners in the NFC Championship game. He comes back and they win it. Jared Goff's up seventeen points against you know the 49ers and the Championship game. They lose it, right? He wasn't as good as Brock Purdy on the field. We can all see that. Like you said, Brock Purdy made a lot of outside the line type of plays, backyard football. Uh, Jared Goff got pressure on a fourth and two and had to move five inches and the ball went five feet to the left and the receiver had to dive for it on a fourth and two, right? So that's where you got to find the sweet spot. Good player can do a lot, but I don't think you or me, if we were going to sit here and we were going to rank quarterbacks, that Jared Goff would be in the top 10 conversation. He would not be there. He'd be somewhere after that. And that's where to me, they got to make sense of it all and find a contract that's conducive to kind of where he's at in the pantheon of quarterbacks right now. And I say all this fully cognizant of the fact that my attitude is get everything you can while you can. The salary cap keeps going up and up and up. They haven't even finalized it for this year because they're trying to figure out how are we going to do this because it's poised to explode. Yeah. And Looks they like want to smooth it out. That's the, that's the league's way of saying we want to keep some of this money in our pockets for now. We don't want to have to devote this money to the players, even though we should. We're going to smooth it out. And so there aren't – and I've seen the different arguments, and the arguments, they, they make no sense. Like, oh, you, I'm not even going to go down that path. The bottom line is the salary cap keeps going up and up and up. Whether it smooths or whether it spikes, it keeps going up. So what these guys are making is fair. It just seems shocking. And for quarterbacks, there is a huge range now. Where does he fall? $40 million isn't what it was just a few years ago. $45 million isn't what it was just a few years ago. I don't know where he lands, Chris. And the worst thing the Lions could do is sign him to a market-level deal and then decide in two years – we got to get rid of him, and we can't. We're going to have to give up a first-round pick to another team as part of a trade for our next quarterback and not make it obvious that we had to give up a first-round pick to unload this contract just like the Rams did three years ago with Goff's last contract. Yeah, yeah. they got to find that sweet spot. That, that's right. And I don't, is that $40 million? Is it a Daniel Jones-type contract? You know, basically like, hey, two years, we're tied to this guy. After that, we can kind of get out of it, and we gave him, give him some good money. Right. But that to me is it, it's somewhere in those in that area, in that ballpark. Right. I think that that would be fair. Uh, I think that's kind of where he is as a football player. And again, I think if we kind of rattle off names and starting quarterbacks, we could rattle off 12 or 13, I think, for sure, before we would start to go, ooh, maybe Jared, this is Jared Goff range. I, I don't have any doubt about that. That's why the key to this contract is going to be the structure. When will the Lions be able 
two without major salary cap pain, without lingering guaranteed cash, when will they be able to rip the Band-Aid off and move on? Like the Raiders were after one year with Derek Carr, like the Broncos might be doing after two years with Russell Wilson, even though it is going to be a significant cap charge to move on. What will the structure of this deal be? And will Goff be more concerned about structure or will he be concerned, concerned about the average per year? Devin McCourty and I were talking about this at Ford Field before, when we were down in the green room that was neither green nor a room. And he, he said players, you know, like with, with issues with tax, income tax, no state income tax, he said most players don't care about that. All they care about is the APY on the contract. They don't care about any of those other factors, including whether or not they're going to be playing in a state that doesn't have income tax. They just want to have the highest possible annual per year average because that's what everybody knows about, and that's how you rank yourselves among yeah, your peers. Right. Where do I land in the APY stack? So you could give Jared Goff a really high APY, but also be able to escape the thing after a couple of years if that's what you choose to do. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, Jim Harbaugh escapes Michigan back to the NFL. They're close to having a new general manager who will be working with Harbaugh at the Chargers. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. Harbaugh looks good, by the way. Appreciate it. Yeah. The Chargers land Jim Harbaugh. I know the universe is big. The football universe is big. Champions of college football 2023. It's really not that big. Touchdown, Chargers. Every job I've taken at every step of the way in coaching, there's a connection there for me. I love it. I see you, baby. Come on. Coming back to the Chargers. Harbaugh lost a long ball. The sincerity. It was there. It felt like, it just felt like home when I came here. Harbaugh's pass. It's going to be a team. Think of a family. There's going to be igniters. There's going to be leaders by example. That's mostly what I do. We're going to attack. We've got enthusiasm unknown to mankind. We laid all the line. Oh, my goodness. For us. And this is where I want to be. Nowhere else. Let's go. Come on. Who's got it better than us? Nobody. Hey, you got your ball cap now. You got you to get that ball cap like, like a baseball player. You got to there it is. Jim Harbaugh, he only ever wants to be in the place that he is. And he never wants to go anywhere but the place he is until he goes somewhere else that becomes the place he only ever wants to be. And that's fine. That's fine. Football coaches move from team to team, from level to level. We knew he was coming back to the NFL at some point. The magnet was too strong. The Lombardi trophy is too rare. He said that. On the set Sunday at the AFC Championship when he was with Bill Cowher and James Brown, there's no Lombardi Trophy in college football. He said it a couple years ago right? to Gene Wojciechowski of ESPN. The Lombardi Trophy is the ultimate. Yeah, the national championship would be fine, but he wants that Lombardi Trophy. This is Shakespearean stuff. This is Cain and Abel stuff. His brother has one. He wants one. It's that simple. Yeah, I, I agreed. You know, that's, that's, he views himself as, as an NFLer. That's what he views himself, right? Uh, and it's it's hard sometimes. Uh, like like I you know again I'm I'm not trying to call myself Harbaugh or anything, but like when I got into coaching after my career was over and went like in like oh wait there's the NFL and there's college. I was like I'm not coaching in college. I'm NFL. I grew up in NFL. You know I played in the NFL. That's all I ever thought about. And when you get a taste of the NFL too. You, it's usually guys are like, damn, this, this tastes good. This is amazing. 
Yeah, not only, hey, the money's great, it's professional football players, you don't have to babysit 100-and-something guys on a football team, it's only 53, right? They're, most of them are grown men and can handle themselves. You don't have to recruit. You don't have to write letters. You don't have to tell mommy and daddy, kiss my butt, your son's not playing, get the hell out of my office. So that's where it's exciting for a Jim Harbaugh, let alone all the things that you brought up too that I think are, are really the realest and, and biggest reason why he's back with the Chargers. There was a time when college football was the most legitimate, at least perceived by the average right. American, level of football, and pro football was kind of like pro wrestling. It's just weird how that's changed. But in my lifetime, the NFL has been the ultimate. NFL films went a long way toward indoctrinating America's youth into viewing the NFL as a bigger deal. The Madden game helps now because they haven't made the college game for a decade now because, you know, there's just something about the college system, I think, that rubs – I know it rubs me the wrong way. I don't know how many people agree with me, but the fact that they exploit the kids has always bothered me, at least it has since I became aware. Like, since the neurons connected in my brain, there's something wrong about this. At the NFL level, everybody's gotten paid, everybody's earning it, and – There is only one Lombardi trophy, and they give out one a year, and it's only at the NFL level, and it just felt like it was destiny. He was going to come back. We both know he wanted to come back last year to the Chargers. He wanted the Vikings job two years ago. He's been ready to come back, and he gets his national championship at Michigan, and now he comes back to the NFL, and we'll see what he can do because he's going to have to deal with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, he's 60. If he stays there 10 years and coaches until he's 70, he's going to have to deal with Patrick Mahomes twice a year. Right as he tries to get that Super Bowl, making it harder than it would have been if he'd be with an AFC team or something like that. By the way, making it easier for him to set the table with great players. Joe Hortiz of the Ravens, officially now the general manager of the Chargers, but it sure feels like Harbaugh's in charge, Chris. Yeah, I, I would be shocked if he's not in charge. I would think he's got, you know, last call on just about everything that's important with the Chargers organization, and that's why... Hortiz has been hired as well. He obviously knows the Harbaugh family. He trusts the Harbaugh's and, and the working relationship. And he's willing to go, okay, yep, here, Jim, here's information. Let's talk about it. And you make the call. And that that's usually a recipe for good success like we always talk about. GM, coach, coming in together, understand the relationship, go from there. Uh, we'll see where this one goes in L.A. And uh, they have work to do. $54.2 million over the projected salary cap for 2024. But they've got Justin Herbert, which is nice, which is important, which is one of the reasons Harbaugh is there. He said with, with Bill Cowher and James Brown on Sunday, he was starstruck when he met Justin Herbert. My thought is Herbert should be a little starstruck that Jim Harbaugh is here because now for the first time in his career, all due respect to Anthony Lynn and Brandon Staley, but Justin Herbert's got a guy who can take him where he's been trying to go. We'll just see if he does and when he does. Let's take a break. When we return, Justin Tucker addressed on Monday that bizarre incident that we saw on Sunday where he was getting ready to practice either 10-yard field goals or 110-yard field goals before the Chiefs-Ravens game. We'll do that next year on PFT Live. One of the memorable moments from Sunday's AFC Championship game happened before. Justin Tucker down in the vicinity of Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey picks up his helmet, his balls, throws them out of the way. Patrick Mahomes had thrown the little portable stand that they use to 
hold the ball when you're practicing field goals. That it was keeps all before going. the game. Here's Justin yeah. Tucker. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. No, that's just that's a that's a on it's on a loop. It just starts. That's just that's when they. When no, I know, no, but I mean, yeah. like, there's more. There's another. He has another video that gives you more, and right. then there's more. No, right. You know, Mahomes. like you're saying, he kicks yeah, it. Yeah, Mahomes. He Mahomes throws it again. Throws, right. Mahomes he does it all. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Here's Justin Tucker from yesterday, cleaning out the locker and talking to reporters about what we all saw happen before Sunday's game. I thought it was all just some gamesmanship, um, you know, all in good fun, but they seem to be taken a little bit more seriously. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm totally willing to let it all go. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to explain that that's just, you know, what I've done for 12 years, and it's, it's not like I'm out there trying to be problematic. I'm just trying to get ready for the football game just like they are. And, look, we were at that Lions-Buccaneers game. There is an element of people going everywhere when you're down on the field before the game. Yeah. Before they all come out in uniform. When they come out in uniform, then it's more structured. And I asked the league about it yesterday because they made a big deal about it in October because there were some fights before games during warm-ups. And the league said that this was before the official pregame warm-up period when the 45-yard line is where everyone has to stay on each side. you got to stay within your 45. Now, right. there's an exception in the rule for punters and kickers, but I don't think the exception means – you go all the way down and get in the middle of where the heart of the warm-ups are happening for the other team. It still doesn't make any sense why he was there with the balls and with that thing you use to practice field goals because he's down near one end zone. He's not going to kick it 110 yards this way. He's not going to kick it 10 yards that way. He was stretching, and, and hey, maybe he has I've, – I've got no reason to doubt him. But we talked about it yesterday. The Chiefs came into that game – with a mindset of we're going to mess with you before you can mess with us. And that's why it happened. They had, they were just, you know, it was the, the chip on the shoulder, yeah, which is ready. the old, I dare you to knock it off. Yeah. I dare you to knock it off. Come knock it off. And, and so they were ready to poke a little bit and they, they are, we're going to take anything that happened as an affront to them. You know, we're saying that Justin Tucker poked the bear. I think that, they took the bear's hand and poked themselves with it. Well, they, they certainly, they, they were going right? to come in. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I think you said it right. Yeah. I said it. Yeah. They, they were oh, looking for it. anything, but they knew who they were dealing with. So they were going to be ready to be chippy and not be bullied by the Ravens, which we've seen them do to, to everybody in football, including the 49ers. So they were, they were ready for fight. They were ready to fight. And, you know, I don't, I don't doubt, and you explained it right in that part of pregame warm-ups and all that, and I don't doubt that Justin Tucker is usually there, right, in that general vicinity. But it's on him to kind of like, wait, there's a group of guys that are really warming up, and they're on their side of the field. And you got to get out of their way. And, yeah, everybody works with each other in these, in these like, little scenarios in the pregame warm-ups, right? But – but, yeah, you're not on the right side of the field, and you're not kicking 10-yard field goals. That doesn't happen in the NFL. And I think he, even though he said this is what I usually do, I think he also showed that, no, he was kind of going a little bit farther than that. He said it was a little gamesmanship. Right? What does he mean by that? I mean, yeah, he was trying to kind of, eh, I'm going to be right here and be annoying, and that's what he was doing. So, you know, they didn't take it lightly. And, of course, there's Mahomes kicking it. And this is my favorite part. He sets it. Watch. He's going to set it up. 
He sets it all up. And watch Mahomes. He's going to get it. He's going to turn around, and Mahomes picks it up as he turns around and throws it. I love it. It was perfect. <laughs> but, th- but that's the thing. Why are you setting it up on the goal line 10 yards yeah. from? See, I think he was trying to instigate what, it a little bit. What is the point he of that? He can say what he wants. Yeah. I think he was yeah. trying to just be a little annoying to them, and uh, it got a little carried away or out of, out of hand. If you listen to the whole clip, I think the broader context, he suggests the gamesmanship was on their part. But regardless, they came in there with an attitude. And we've talked in the past about how the 49ers treated them on Christmas night. They were very deferential. Right. There was no chipping. It bothered me, right? There was no attitude. Right. 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 And look what happened in that game. I think that that if you're going to have a chance, and every year is different, it may be a different strategy next year, but the point is – the Chiefs knew that as to these Ravens, we have to outbully the bullies. We have to rattle them, and they did. We have to get under their skin before they can get under our skin. And whoever came up with that yeah. is a genius because it worked. Yeah. Uh, it's the, I think it's the one aspect that we continue, myself included, to disrespect about the Kansas City Chiefs. We look at it and we go, oh, their star player, he's kissing you know, Taylor Swift and giving her, and it's Mahomes, and he's on commercials, and he's making $70 million a year, right? I'm adding in commercial prices into that and all that. But I think people look at that, and the, the one thing they forget, uh, these are some badass mofos. They are. They love physicality. I don't know. You know, you go into Baltimore and out Baltimore, the Ravens in Baltimore. Damn, you're the real deal. That 49er defense in that Super Bowl, like we've talked about. I mean, that was one of the greatest defenses we had seen over the last 15 or 20 years. They and that run game they had that year and all that. They answered the bell there last year. Uh, you talk to most people in football, like you've heard me say, the Eagles were most the most physically well-built team we had seen in quite some time. Uh, around football as far as the completeness, the size, the physicality. They answer the bell, no problem. That is one thing that I don't think they quite get the credit for, their toughness and physicality that Andy Reid has kind of instilled in all of them. The the reality, too, is if you go back and watch the quarterback series on Netflix, when Max Crosby gets under his skin, some of the – some of the sound you hear from Mahomes during a game is very un-Mahomes-like, but that's what happens when you get him, when you poke the bear. When it's go and time. that's the thing. They right. were going to make sure that they self-poked themselves <laughs> on Sunday. They were going to instigate it, and they were going to be the ones to find a way to enhance this notion that they're being disrespected because they are the underdogs in that game. And we may see some of the same stuff against the 49ers in 12 days. Who knows? Here's A. Flowers, the... Ravens receiver, rookie who had a great game, 115 receiving yards, but he had that fumble near the goal line, didn't protect the ball where you need to protect it the most. Here he is on overcoming that bad moment to cap his rookie career or his rookie year. Uh, it's, it's just a moment, you know. It's going to make, make or break you, and I don't plan on letting it break me. Yeah, I feel like I got um, another step. I feel like I could be one of the best receivers in this league. And I'm not going to let one moment define me, so I'm going to just use that and use it as a slingshot. Look, you you don't want it to hover over the guy, and it's not going to. He's too good 
to be limited by this. He'll learn from it. I mean, that's the big thing we've been talking about as it relates to the mistakes that are made, either in a moment like this or strategically. Are you going to learn from them? Is Zay Flowers going to learn from this? Is Dan Campbell going to learn from it? And Chris, we, we talked about this briefly yesterday. Yeah, I'm coming around on the whole North Korea thing. You got to protect the ball when you get close to the end zone. And you don't see a guy dive like that for a first down because there's a consequence if they hit the ball and it comes out. And I know it's tempting because all you have to do is kiss the front of the line. Right. That's all you have to do. Right. And it's a touchdown. And I think it gets guys to try to make that, that highlight, that moment where they're soaring like Superman into the end zone. It's fine if you get there. Yeah. If you don't, Gotta be it's smart, not fine. Right? How different that game, Oof. how different that game would have right. been. They score there and make it 17-14. How different that the rest of that game would have been. And, you know, like I said, all he can do at this point is learn from it. No, learn from it. He's got greatness in front of him. He's awesome player, right? He's got a skill set that reminds me of Antonio Brown. And I think, like he said, he can be one of the best play, uh, wide receivers in football. So I, I, I'm, and I, he had a phenomenal year. You know, you, you, you talked about it. You know, one, hey, we saw Travis Kelsey the week before, right, in Buffalo. He never extended. He kind of went in with a tuck like this, put his head down. If I get in, I get in. If we get stopped at the one-inch line, so be it. He got in. But you got to protect it, like you said. It's unfortunate. You know, he had the penalty after the big pass that kicked and knocked him out of like, you know, scoring touchdown in, in that area of the field and, and relegate him to kind of like having to settle for a field goal. Those are big moments. He'll learn from that. But the NFL now more than ever to what you're saying to the point and like reaching the ball out anywhere. This is you, you can't do that stuff anymore in the NFL. Every defensive player. We, we talk about every week, oh, there was missed tackles, there was missed tackles. Well, there was missed tackles because everybody's punching a ball out, trying to rip a ball out. It's not like they don't want to tackle. It's become attack the football because that's one of the most important stat lines in the game. You get turnovers, you get explosive plays, you win the game, period. So guys, go for it there. And that's where, you know, to your point, you got to be extra, extra careful there because LeJarrius Sneed was just waiting for him to stick that ball out because he was going, wait, there's the goal line. I'm going to run there, and I'm going in with my hands if he tries to reach it out. And, of course, you know, it worked out for LeJarrius Sneed. And on the topic of the Chiefs' defense, here's a great example of lessons learned from one week to the next. And the best lesson to learn is the one that you can incorporate the next week because you still won the game even though you made the mistake. Yeah. There was a moment late in the game against the Bills where the ball was there and somebody from the Chiefs' defense decided, I'm going to try to pick it up and run with it. And what happened? The Bills ended up recovering yeah. the loose ball. Yeah. And what happened when the ball was on the ground first time when it was knocked out by Omenahu? George Karloftis didn't try to pick it up. Got on Didn't top try of to it. Score touchdown. Got on top of it. Curled up around it. Fetal position. Lesson learned from the week before. So that's it. with each passing game, there's something you can learn. There's something you can do that makes you better the next time. And we'll see these teams at their peak in only 12 days. When we return, we'll draft the unsung heroes from the conference championship round. Both games next here. PFT Live. Coming up on the Mahomes exhibit. <laughs> yeah, 
somebody get Tom Brady, the Mahomes exhibit. You can you can laugh at that joke when when you know you are the goat. It's when funny. you are the goat. Yeah, right. Yeah. Also, yeah. wait. I mean, is like is is Alex Guerrero just gonna be like his sidekick no matter what he does? I mean, he goes to the zoo and he's still got Alex Guerrero next to him. What are they gonna do? Like TV twelve stretches before they go and see the damn thing? I, I I'm always shocked how much I, I still see him in post post playing career. I just got an email press release that TB12 is merged with No Bull, the company that came out of nowhere, I think, last year as the apparel sponsor at the Combine. And there's a picture of Tom Brady wearing a No Bull shirt, which tells me TB12 goes bye-bye and No Bull is his new whatever fancy word they use to say fitness and diet nowadays. Isn't it easy to just say fitness and diet? It's always got to be more complicated. Anyway, No Bull. TB12 is merging with No Bull. Okay. Um, Unsung Heroes, Conference Championship round. Draft time. You're up. Well, I mean, this one was the first pick's easy for me. In a year where Chubbs Tony came about and the Chiefs receivers looked like they had four feet for, you know, limbs instead of two hands and two feet. How could I not go to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, right? A guy who had some huge drops through the year, right? Certainly been under a microscope. And the biggest moment of the football game, we got to have this. We get a first down here. We win the football game and go to the Super Bowl. Mahomes has the confidence to throw the ball up to Valdez-Scantling down the middle of the field. He makes a great adjustment. Great job, guys, calling up the play. Off his back foot, just wants to put it in the general vicinity so the guy can do it. Mahomes doesn't throw the greatest throw, and it was actually a really good catch by Marquez Valdez Scantling. Good for him to squash some of the, you know, some of the crap that's gone around the, the Kansas City Chiefs this year. Well, and actually got his hands secure on the ball before it hit him in the face mask, and who knows what happens if it hits the yeah, face right? mask. We saw that in the other game on Sunday. So good job by you and good job by Valdez Scantling. And that was the moment, first play of the second half against the Bills where he makes that catch yes. kind of up over his head. The right sideline, side right. Like, That's MVS. Something's different about these Chiefs if MVS is making catches like that. All right. I'm going to go to the play we were just talking about last segment because think, yeah. we're so caught up in Zay Flowers' right. mistake. Legereus Sneed's yeah. the guy who comes in and changes the complexion of the game by diving, by timing it just right, by getting the hand on the ball, attacking the ball, as you say, something that they do at the college level. That's one of the challenges of being running back at the NFL level. At the college level, they don't attack the ball the way they do at the NFL level. Attack the ball, out it comes, and very different end of game. Still up 10 points. Yeah, incredible play. Really, it really was. And, and maybe the play of the game when all said and done. Like you said earlier, who knows where that game goes. If they score the touchdown, the stadium starts to go crazy. You know, The Ravens defense have been playing really good in the second half. Huge moment, no doubt about that. Uh, I think the next one I'll go is, um, ooh, I don't know where to go here. I'm going to go with Brandon Ayuk. I'll go Brandon Ayuk because ah. of what you just talked about. I know you, you. You took mine. I know when you yeah. brought it up again. There, I was like, okay, he's it's on his radar. I got to take it now. But yeah, unsung hero certainly. I mean, they get the the turnover on downs because the Lions don't want to go up by three scores. 
Big pass to Debo Samuel. Hey, we're feeling the momentum. Let's take a shot down the field. It wasn't there. It wasn't a great decision. Probably should have been intercepted. Either way, one of the best receivers in football this year, Ayuk, stays with it. Concentration gets bumped, catches it. That definitely was a huge moment in the game where you went, oh, wow, they're already inside the five this quick. Oh, whoa, they, they can come back and win this football game. That was the moment you knew it was real. I'm going to go Jake Moody, the kicker from the 49ers, because we've had this conversation about what the Lions should have done. Should they have taken the field goal? Oh, it's not automatic. They might miss. It's not automatic. Well, he was automatic after he missed to start the game. To end the first drive. Yeah. Good when call they needed you. that three points right. on a 43-yarder right after. If he misses that, they're done. They're done. He made the kick that put him ahead late. He made his extra points, which are no longer gimmies. He, he put behind him the miss, and he was Mr. Automatic the rest of the way. And the most important kick of his life was the 43-yarder that cut the score to 24-10. Because if, if they missed that one, it is well that's over we'll that's the whole break. excuse for the lions fans out there you know and oh, my co-host he, i'm in well, you it. can't guarantee he'll make that field goal well i don't know he hadn't missed one in the playoffs yet right I, I, he hadn't missed one in the playoffs like stop the other guy had the guts to call out the field goal team after his guy missed one anyways so you want to win the game or what and they decided they they wanted to put it all right there and of course it came back and bo- bit him in the butt and if you don't have a kicker you can trust from 45, that's on you. That Because everybody should have a kicker they trust from 45. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Unsung heroes from the conference championship round. We have picked one each from the two games played. One more round to go. Chris, you're up. All right. Well, I'm torn here. It's two safeties. I'm going to go with Tashawn Gibson, Right. That was a big moment in the football game. The 49ers' safety, they decide to start playing more aggressive defenses in the second half, crowd the line of scrimmage. Tashawn Gibson goes around the edge, strips Jameer, uh, Jameer Gibbs, recovers the fumble, right, and, and sparks the comeback for the 49ers. You know, I, I'm looking at Kyle Juszczyk's numbers. Two catches for 33 yards, but man, he had that one catch on the sidelines that just was kind of a, it just kind of gives you a lift. And he just, he's just a guy who's always around. And I have a feeling he's putting people on their ass on a regular basis that we don't see. That's it for today. See you Tuesday. See you tomorrow. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.